0: Hello and welcome to another episode of Chipping Away, where your hosts Akash and Durga take you on journeys of South Asian Archaeology and Anthropology. Today we are going to talk about stories, tales, myths, mythologies, and folklore.
1: All set in stone. Mm -hmm. Until the advent of modern scientific research and the fields of geology and archaeology, People in the past, too, came across elements of the natural landscape as well as their own historical past, which they needed to explain. How did they do that? Well, they built their own elaborate explanations for these features of the geological and archaeological landscapes. You have a rich record of rocket caves all over South Asia. And one common thread that connects all of these different caves is that they were associated with the epic heroes of the Mahabharata, the Pandavas.
0: And to add to this, the famous archaeological site at Bhimbetka was also associated with one of the Pandava heroes, Bhima. The oral narrative associates Bhima with the site of Bhimbetka, probably because people looked at the rock shelters and rock art at Bhimbetka and associated it with their human ancestor from the bygone era.
1: Just like caves, other features in the geological landscape, such as craters that are caused by high velocity impacts of extraterrestrial objects, not aliens, I'm talking about meteorites, have their own stories in oral tradition.
0: An oral narrative associated with the lake formed by the crater at Lonar, narrates a story of a king, abrish The story is about a king who had some skin diseases and had to be cured. The gods intervened and they summoned a celestial object to form a lake in which the king can bathe and cure himself of the skin disease. And there is a belief that this Lonar Lake was the very tank in which the king bathed to get rid of his skin diseases.
1: There is a lake very close to Lonar called Chota Lonar or Amber Lake which is associated with this king. And geologists say that this was probably formed by a piece of the meteorite breaking off from the main meteorite that caused the lonar lake. So the oral tradition of the divine beings raining down an object to create the lake suggests that there is a continuity of oral tradition amongst the people in this region to equate for the celestial origin for the formation of the lake. Mm which means that probably some people were around when this crater was formed and that is why they knew that this lake was different from other lakes which were probably man-made. And so we could say that probably this story of object falling from the sky and causing the formation of the lake could have continued till modern times by the continuity of oral traditions.
0: Arakash, there could be another side to the story. The oral narratives also afford this flexibility or malleability that with new information, they are susceptible to change and modification. So in this particular case, we can probably approach the oral narrative about Lonar Lake as being modified after new information from geologists was made available. So maybe the celestial origin of Lonar Lake was later appended to the original story of what Lonar Lake might have been in the local imagery.
1: Very possible. I mean, that's why oral traditions tend to have this flexibility that written texts do not afford. Because once it's written, it's probably set in stone. Just like Lonar in Maharashtra, we have two other craters formed by high-velocity impacts in the Indian subcontinent and they are at Ramgarh in Rajasthan and Dhala in Madhya Pradesh. And each of these craters themselves have oral traditions associated with them.
0: And in certain cases, these oral traditions take form of classical literature or Puranic renderations. So the story of war between the demon Lona Sura and Vishnu at the site of Lonar Lake is one such example, where the impact of the falling body of the demon created the crater. So the geological formation is interpreted as a Puranic parable or Puranic narrative.
1: That's true. This kind of explanation for fallen demons or you know the bodies of demons being destroyed also also an explanation that local traditions around ash mound sites in South India also have in common wherein the defeated body or the slain body of the demon according to traditional customs is cremated and therefore you have these large mounds of ash another unique geological phenomenon is the columnar weathering of basalt. in this instance Basalt weathers leaving behind hexagonal-shaped columns, which can look like steps. Off the coast of Karnataka, there are a few islands that show this phenomenon. However, these islands are not inhabited. An equivalent of this geological phenomenon is seen in Ireland in the form of the Giant's Causeway. So, this famous tourist site has its own associated myth. So, the story goes that in Ireland there was a giant named Finn McCool. He and the giant from Scotland did not like each other and well, they were set to battle. However, Finn McCool realised that this Scottish giant was huge and well, he thought he was going to lose. So he pretended to be a baby. So when the Scottish giant came over to Ireland and saw this baby, The wife on Fimmakool said, oh, this is Finn's baby. The Scottish giant was scared. He's like, if this is the size of the baby, I don't want to deal with the man. And he runs away and he breaks the bridge which connected. So that is why you have part of this feature in Ireland and a part of it in Scotland. And this is the story associated with the giant's causeway.
0: This story reminds me of all the land bridges that we encounter in geological history.
1: Yes, that's true. And this is because of the series of changing sea levels that have occurred in the last few hundreds and thousands and even millions of years. So changing sea levels have resulted in certain parts of the lands being submerged, which have led to myths and stories of, well, lands being submerged. For example, the famous uh, Tamil epics talk about a land south of the modern-day Tamil Nadu, which was suddenly submerged and lost in their time. We have examples of this in East Asia, in the Mediterranean, and all over the Old World. So, possibly these changing sea levels submerged a lot of lands.
0: Not just submerging of lands, but in certain cases, new landmass was also exposed because of changes in the sea level. And such episodes were also narrativized or animated as mythical narratives in the local lore and in classical lore. The creation of the western coast of India by shooting an arrow into the sea by Parshurama is one of the most celebrated myths of origin for the western coast. Dedicated texts and chapters that relate to this story of Parshuram describe variously how the sea receded and some land along the west coast of India was exposed. Now These narratives are fantastical with is standing atop a hill, sometimes throwing an arrow or throwing his axe into the sea and demanding the sea to recede.
1: So we know about 8000 years ago, we had this phase called the Holocene Optimum, wherein sea levels were at their highest. Since then, the sea levels have slowly withdrawn and stabilized at their current levels. So possibly during this retreat of the sea, There was some land that was exposed and possibly this was explained mythologically as the Parashuram story for the Konkan coast. However, these are just interpretations and we might never know the truth. Speaking of truths and interpretations, we see that throughout the world we have flood stories and flood myths, be it Noah of uh, the biblical context or Manu in the case of India. So, about 20,000 years ago, glaciers were at their maximum extent. After that, because of increasing temperatures and the retreat of glaciers, we had a lot of them melting. However, some stayed back as lakes. When these lakes burst, they would have caused local flooding events and the people there would have obviously felt an adverse effect of these flood events and maybe these stories carried on in myths and legends and oral tradition
0: the story of indra and vritra is probably from this same compendium of myths on floods so the story goes that potable water was locked off from people by a demon called vritra and indra charged with his thunderbolt and freed all the waters in captivity and the rivers flowed and the people received potable water for sustenance Now, this myth has been interpreted variously, whether it relates to the building of dams or certain water catchment areas. This narrative may be interpreted as bursting of the natural dams, which were relics of the glacial landscape.
1: Another example of these unique features that were interpreted uniquely is the example of dinosaur eggs in various places in Gujarat and Telangana And even Madhya Pradesh, where dinosaur eggs are found, certain people believe that these are examples of the shivaling and worship them.
0: And these dinosaur eggs were in their fossilized state. So these are not the eggs on which you would sit and warm and expect dragons to hatch out of them like Khaleesi in Game of Thrones.
1: Speaking of dragons, imagine you're in medieval Europe, you're digging a pit and you find these large bones. Well, what are you going to say? Ooh, these are the bones of giants. These are the bones of dragons. Maybe, say, imagine you found the skull of a rhino. We all know what rhinos are today, but imagine you're a medieval European peasant. You're going to end up with unicorns. Imagine the elephant skull. The large hole where the trunk is could be the eye of the cyclops. So, for example, the a site which we frequently visit, in this podcast, is a perfect example of this case. At this site, archaeologists found medieval pits going down into Pleistocene records which preserved these large animal bones. So, you have various bones of rhinos and elephants and horses which could have been interpreted by the medieval population as bones of giants, dragons, unicorns, And the Cyclops. And the fact that they're found in mixed contexts might have resulted in them building hybrid creatures as well as chimeras.
0: One such example of confusing ancient humans as giants was at the site near Athens in Greece. Ancient Greeks found some mammoth bones which belonged to an animal similar to an elephant but now extinct. And these bones, because of mammalian similarity, seemed like thigh bones from humans and ancient Greeks assumed that maybe they were the long-lost ancestors of modern humans. And the ancient Greeks equated these mammalian bones with titans from the ancient Greek mythology. And these giants were given a proper burial according to Greek customs. So when archaeologists found these bones again, fully buried with all the paraphernalia such as burial goods, coins and clothes, They were rightly confused.
1: That is a very puzzling discovery.
0: Another example of giants from mythology in South Asia is Yeti. We could probably trace the history of the concept of Yeti to such discoveries or finds of big mammalian bones in Himalayas.
1: Well, that's not surprising because the shivaliks, which are part of the Himalayas, are some of the richest sources of mammalian fossils in the subcontinent.
0: Right, so it is not surprising To think that people who might have discovered large mammalian bones in that area might have associated those to long lost human ancestors with big physique and hairy personality as described in some of the epics, including Mahabharata, the Yati.
1: Continuing with superstitions and beliefs, the most shocking of burials is something we find in Eastern Europe wherein you find examples in various cemeteries of bodies and skeletons with a stake through their heart. This equates with the lore of the vampire, which is very common in these regions.
0: Since we are on the topic of burials and curious burial practices, maybe we should take a look at Inamgao in Maharashtra. At this site, there were some skeletons with their feet chopped off. Some archeologists and researchers believe or theorize that maybe it was to prevent the dead rising from their grave.
1: Ooh. That's scary.
0: I know, I would be afraid.
1: Speaking of ghosts coming back to life, if you think ghosts exist, where do you think they would like to go on holiday?
0: Uh, I don't know. Trees? Caves?
1: No, Bhutan.
0: (laughs) (laughs) But you make an interesting point. Some of the place names have such interesting web of narratives and lore attached to that that it makes for a good story. Akash and I discussed this in our second episode where we look at archaeological sites and how we find potential archaeological sites. So the place names provide some clue based on the local narrative and mythologies that the place might be ancient or might be inhabited for a long, long time. So some place names which are associated with mythic heroes, such as Indraprastha, the city of Indra, which was the famed capital of the epic heroes Pandavas, or Dwarka, the capital of Krishna, as described in Mahabharata. Such place names indicate the possible antiquity of the region as perceived by people and associated with some of the famous or popular narratives, generally with a pan-Indic or pan-South Asian following.
1: Similarly, the source or the origin of rivers takes up a mythological potence because of the fact that rivers played a very important roles to societies prior to the development of artificial means of irrigation. The rivers were literally the lifeline of these cultures. And therefore, they were the all providing deities and gods and heroes that they worshipped. And as these rivers flew eventually to the sea, this episode too reaches its end.
0: So join us next time for another episode of Chipping Away where your host Akash Indurga will take you again on a new journey of South Asia.
1: Maybe on another river.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Most certainly. So let's keep the conversation going and send in your critical comments, feedbacks, and words of praise to chippingawayind at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter and Instagram at chippingawayind. So until next time, keep chipping away. Bye-bye.